Hello and welcome to ABW. I know it's two days in a row that you're getting sweet, sweet content from us. And well, we've signed a player. Uh, unlike the last couple of players that have come in, we actually know something about this guy. Um, it's not just Chris who's been watching the Belgian League uh, can tell us about Lakonga. We've signed Ben White. Uh, £50 million, I believe that is the fee that his exceedingly short uh, agent has, uh, if anybody's seen the picture, it's worth a look at. Ben White is only six foot tall, which we'll probably go through at some point about his attributes. But uh, yeah, the £50 million man has come in from Brighton. You may anticipate this could be a monologue just by me, someone who has followed Brighton for ooh, the best part of nearly two decades. However, I am joined by somebody else, and I've mentioned him already. It is Chris. Chris, how's it going? Josh, I'm good. It's uh, good to chat to you again. It's been a while. I'm um, yeah. I'm a little sore, I'm not going to lie, and technically 46 minutes late for our planned rendezvous this evening, but we won't tell anyone that, hey? No, we won't mention that at all, and uh, he's not sore for the reasons you think, ladies and no. gentlemen. It is completely unrelated to Ben White and his new shirt number, number four, yes. um, taken from a certain player who is yet to have it. Uh, or yet, yet to wear it, shall we say, uh, for the Arsenal. But we'll start with where I think we saw Ben White come to large and where certainly the media started pushing in on him. Because let's say he spent some time at Newport County on loan in League Two and then in League One at Peterborough United, I think off the top of my head. Everybody then mentioned him in the championship. And Chris, you saw a lot of him at Leeds under Bielsa. Um, talk us through what you saw as a player then, one that was lauded to be going to Liverpool at the end of that season. Yeah. Um, so I, I I must confess, I you know I hold my hands up and say that, um, as you know, Josh, uh, part of our hipsters pod is is Ross Bramble. And Ross is very much the, the man when it comes to the championship. So uh, he had sort of far more knowledge of the championship than me. But one club I did follow quite closely in that league, um, there was kind of four or five clubs that I kept an eye on. But Leeds was one of those clubs that I did keep a close eye on for a couple of reasons. Mainly one of the streamers that I watch on Twitch is a very big Leeds fan. So naturally, you just kind of follow teams that other people that you follow support. Um, and I started to watch them because I, I really wanted to see the Bielsa thing because, as you probably know, he managed in France uh, twice. And um, there was, was a little bit of a myth about Bielsa, about how simply uh, angelic and wonderful he is. And, and don't get me wrong, I don't think he's on pep levels for my dislike. But uh, he's uh, he, he's there's a little bit about him that maybe is a bit overblown, shall we say. Necess I mean, did he strictly, just to pick you up on one thing, did he strictly manage two clubs in France? Because did he even manage well, a Marseille game? No, that's actually fair. That's probably fair. I think it's more we know for his time at, at Lille. But um, yeah, he didn't technically. For those who don't know, he took the Marseille job and then kind of didn't take the Marseille job. He agreed seven to it. Seven days? Then, yeah. Seven days? He it's almost like the... Thoughts. But for the older older listeners amongst us, David Unsworth, remember him? He signed for Aston Villa uh, from Everton, drove up the uh, the motorway, turned round and decided halfway through he wasn't going to stay and, and kind of went back. But um, yeah, so so long and short, I watched him at, at Leeds quite a lot. And the thing, I, the thing I noticed about him, there was a couple of players there. The two that really stood out for me was him and um, uh, Harrison, the winger, because I'd seen a lot of him at, at New York City FC when he was under Patrick Vieira. So they were the two players I kept an eye on. 
And um, Harrison was a player that I you know, sort of saw a lot of upsides. I thought he'd do well in the Premier League. But but Ben White was just one of those players who he has a very, he's got a very calm sort of uh, presence about him. But he's a very calm leader. And for, for a man so young and for a player who, you know, going to Leeds under a coach like Bielsa, it's whether you rate Bielsa or not, the one thing you know you're going to have to do under him is work bloody hard and adapt very quickly. Um, and Ben White is... You know, he's he's a what you'd call a local lad. You know, he's a, a, a sort of a classic English footballer in, in the sense that, as you said, he'd come through the ranks at a lower league. Mm. But the one thing that separates him from a lot of English footballers is he's got that Rio Ferdinand about him. You know, he's got that ability to take the ball on, to bring the ball out of defence, to play multiple positions, to look very comfortable in whatever he's asked to do. And he adapts very quickly. And, and again, much like Ferdinand, he's made great strides at a really short space of time. And the thing that I really liked about him at, at Leeds, like I say, as well as that leadership, is that ability to to sort of work himself into different positions and play different positions without necessarily being in the position, if you see what I mean. So he's, as you'll come on to, he's known as a centre-back because that's his best mm. position. There is this thing going around the internet that he can play right-back, left-back, central, defensive <laughs> midfield, etc. and so on, which I know you'll touch on, so I won't steal your thunder. But the one thing he has got is adaptability. If he is pulled out as a, you know, if he's pulled out to the right hand side, he defends just as well as he as he does as a centre back. If he gets, if he brings the ball into midfield, he's not the sort of player that if he gets tackled, he'll then suddenly look like a fish out of water and panic. He's a he's a player who will just adapt into the position he's in on the pitch. Uh, Declan Rice does it very well at West Ham as well. He's another player that does it well. So I think we're. Um, I think we're getting a player that, that has got a lot of upsides. Um, and I do have to publicly, I tweeted it earlier on, I do have to publicly hold my hands up here and say when uh, David Ornstein and a few other journalists tweeted it, I, I called bullshit. I'm not going to lie. I, I thought it was absolute twaddle. I thought it was paper talk. I thought it was clickbait. i got to hold my hands up. You know, the club clearly identified him. I don't know what the final fee was. Are we talking 50 million? It is, is that? 50 million. What, what his agent has said has dubbed him mm. the 50 million pound man. Um, yeah. so yeah we know when well from a Brighton point of view when Tony Bloom is putting his cards on the table in uh, metaphorically and physically because it's where he's made a lot of his money is on the yeah. poker table that's what he's getting he yeah. knows what he's got in his hands he's going to demand um, you know I would imagine in the next couple of years if Brighton keep doing this selling a lot of players he'll get a similar reputation to Daniel Levy Mm. Um, he is very much a, he will get that for his player um, and he will gamble for it bear in mind yeah. last summer people were offering like Leeds offered 15 million pounds for Ben mm. White to take him yeah. permanently and, and Tony Bloom went no bear in mind this is a player that was a complete unknown quantity in the Premier League mm. Tony Bloom went no it's not happening Yeah, and look what he's managed to turn as turn of a profit in 12 months he said nope and this is a kid that has played every game for Leeds last season, every game for Brighton this season. Yeah. Um, and I would say Leeds fans absolutely adored him oh, yeah. uh, when he was there. Uh, one thing from like watching him, though, I would say whatever you see in kind of a formation grid, is it's a thing for Bielsa generally is ignore that because the players may say they're in a 4 you know, a four four two. They're never that under Bielsa he basically played every position that you listed there at yeah. some point during a 90 minutes because that's what 
Bielsa did. And he spent a lot of time very close to Calvin Phillips as well, who I think was another player that had slowly got through. Yeah. Um, a lot of support for him in that moment allowed him to push on and s- sit back as well, um, yeah. generally. But I will pick up from, yeah, obviously his then 12 months, uh, his rise to, I think surprisingly for a lot of people at Brighton, player of the year, uh, even at the end of season awards, people didn't necessarily think he was the player of the year. Um, talks of Leeds fans getting hold of that poll, um, a bit like Arsenal fans when any poll is available, has got an <laughs> Arsenal option on it as um, correct a decision or not as it should be if that person won or whoever that is involved in Arsenal should win a particular poll. The same's right, I think, for Ben White as well. In terms of the positions he played in last season, one thing I will start and get straight very quickly is he started the season in midfield. He was the partner to Basuma. Um, And that's where he was kind of seen. And that's where I kind of expected him to play, you know, that kind of um, six or four, depending on your uh, regional specifics of what you may call a holding midfielder. Um, which I think is very interesting with his uh, the shirt number he has ended up with as well. Um, that that might be there as an option, but he then, due to injuries, and that's not injuries to him. Obviously, just stated he played every game. He moved around a bit. Um, right back was from memory the gap between uh, Tarek Lamptey's two injuries. He went out onto the right back uh, right back position. Um, but then it was seen that Joel Veltman, um, people will know him from his Ajax days. He is a centre-back or a right-back, and they basically switched places. And Veltman was realised he was a revelation at right-back, rule right-wing-back for Brighton. They play three at the back. Um, that's another thing, another caveat we should put that in terms of statistics, if you look at them, <laughs> he's got two colleagues at the back with him. Yeah. Um, that's whereas I think this will be a bit more of a not a heralding a fifty million pound centre back. This is more of just there's a lot of mistruths that have come out. Um, I'm almost putting like a tinfoil hat on, but um, <laughs> in fact it might be the other people that need to put a tinfoil hat on. But um, yeah, in terms of his centre back, as you say, he is very calm on the ball. Mm. Um, you don't generally don't notice what he's doing. Um, Necessarily a bit like a Meza Ozil, uh, Michael Carrick. You know, we've got, there's a generation of players that you can pick out that's one of, watch back and you'll see what he does. Um, loves a pass into the channel to an overlapping right back uh, or right wing back or winger. Um, that's the other thing that we've got to kind of think of how does Ben White look in this side? Because... Mm-hmm. Well, looking at it now, who's our right back probably going to be? Callum Chambers, first choice. Mm. Seems that way at the moment, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, and I can't see Callum Chambers being as um, effective as, say, Tarek Lamptey going forward. Um, yeah. So then it's, is that ball in for Nicolas Pepe? Well, we're talking about a man going outside to a man who wants to go inside. But I think it will be interesting to what we see there. But in terms of, I think some people have got, been, gone through his stats. I think for me, the key one to look at is his interceptions. Just tells you this is a guy that knows how to read the game. Yeah. And I think, Chris, when you look at what we 
we do. I think we're missing a player that can read the game in the back four. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of player like Rob Holding, he's great. He's had a great season, I think, last season, but there is always an option to upgrade. Um, the one thing I think Ben White might struggle with is aerial uh, balls in the air. Yeah, aerial um, ability. Aerial ability. It's not his strong point. Um, he could get away with it in the Brighton side because the three centre-backs, one of them's Lewis Dunk. Um, we, I think we can all say we know what Lewis Dunk's like in the air. And we yeah. can certainly say what Adam Webster's like because he scored two goals against us. Um, yeah. I think not last season, the season before, he scored two goals against us. Um so I think that um, I would say Dan Byrne, but Dan Byrne's actually awful in the air. Uh, <laughs> height, guy so tall. height does not translate. He just takes everything on his chest. Uh, he yeah. is rubbish in the air. A bit like Per Mertesacker was. If uh, I'm sure we can all remember how bad Per was in the air for someone so tall. He was good attacking um, corners, but he wasn't good defensively, was he, ironically? Yeah, well. it was one yeah. of those that maybe he just knew that if he wins a header, chances are he's heading it down. And that's yeah. not great for a defender. You want to be heading it up and away. Um, he had a 50p head a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of Ben White, it's one for us to be excited with. Um, Chris, how do you think he'll... How do you think the back four will now integrate? Do you think we'll move to a back three? Or do you think we'll make our set with what he wants? I, I, I really, like, genuinely... <laughs> genuinely sort of uh, concerned, excited, intrigued fascinated, worried about and they're all the words I am about this season. Um, because I, I, I'm, I do want to, I'm, I'm kind of turning over a slightly new leaf with, with Mikel this year. Like I was a little bit critical last year. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change my views on last year. I stand by them. I, I do think he got found out quite badly last year. And I do still think his man management work has got to be done and his in-game tactics needs a lot of work. But I do feel like, at least in his head, he's got a plan. Now, what that plan is, um, we're all kind of sat here quietly waiting to see. And you can bet your ass if we lose to Spurs or Chelsea, the fan base is going to, you know, picket fence or picket uh, line down his down his road and set fire to his house, metaphorically, of course. So I look forward to that. But you know, they're friendlies, and the one thing that that we do look a little bit more in preseason is fluid. Um, but largely in preseason, if I'm not mistaken. We've played four two three one, which I have always thought is our best system because I mean our, our best system I think is actually two strikers because then you get the best out of Lacazette and Bamiyang's qualities together. But he seems he seems reluctant to do that. And if you do do that, you can't really play Pepe Smith Rowe and Saka, which he mm-hmm. clearly wants to do. So if you're gonna go with one centre forward and you're gonna go with those three forward players, Thomas Partey is an automatic starter. You've then realistically got a choice, as you say. Do you have a back three with one holding midfielder, or do you play a kind of a four-two-three-one? But you say to Partey, if Ben White, for example, steps into midfield, Partey drops mm. deep. I'm just wondering, like, is Mikel looking at Ben White as a? I mean, the interview mm. suggests he's looking at him as a centre back. Um, yeah. I want to see him as a centre back because I think him and Gabriel probably is the future. But I'm also kind of intrigued to see what him and Holding is going to be like. Because I, I, I imagine that's who are going to start the season. Because Pablo Marie, I think, has his qualities. But I wouldn't necessarily mm. see him as a first starter. And I think Gabriel's still injured, isn't he? So, mm-hmm. 
you'd imagine it's going to be a two and you'd imagine mm. it'll be you'll be holding and white with as you say with chambers mm. one side and um uh, kieran tierney down down the yeah. other side but that said kieran tierney can play center back can't he i think he's wasted as a center back yeah. but it does allow you to get tavares into the into the, the play and and mm. let's be let's be absolutely crystal clear here based upon what i've seen tavares is is a wing back He's a, he's, a, he's a converted winger, isn't he? he he's not mm. a left back. He's your he's your archetypal uh, Andre Santos, but slim and good. <laughs> you know, he he's your Silvino. He's not a player who's going to excel defensively. No. He's a, he's a player who's going to get rinsed once or twice going the other way. But he will offer you a threat going forward. So maybe Mikel's going to look at that. But mm. for me, if you have a back three and you play Ben White as a three. I think, like you said, if you had a Tarek Lamptey and you had mm-hmm. a, a Tierney slash Tavares on the other side, mm-hmm. I like that because it's balanced. Mm-hmm. It's just my OCD, but even at Sunday League level, mm-hmm. if I have attacking fullbacks, I want two exactly the same mm-hmm. on both sides. I don't want one that's sort of quite good defensively, mm-hmm. like Chambers, but also can mm-hmm. cross the ball, and then another one like Tavares who's just gone <laughs> 90 yeah. minutes. So I, I'm intrigued. So I, I know I haven't really answered your question there. but. No, um, but- I think well, I, I'm not going to help answering it either. Easily. No, because we, we've, we've got to wait and see, but a two makes sense, doesn't it, really? Yeah, we have that. And that, I think that's another thing that you kind of lined up. You know, we've got a central striker, then we've got the three behind that yeah. striker, and then we've got Partey. And then yeah. we've got this unknown in our midfield as well, that kind oh, of six or four. I'm not going to mention that Well. <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to mention that name, but no, I've just done it. We're talking about, you know, as I mentioned when I started the show, Graham Potter saw Ben White starting in midfield, yeah, next to Eve Basuma, and yeah. I know we cried out for Eve Basuma as a fan base. I did come in. I'm just going to say that now. I'm just going to nail right. my colours to the mass. Royal we, royal we, <laughs> royal we, okay. yeah. royal we, uh, that he should come in, and I, there is something in. Bit, when the rumours were really picking up, because agreed, uh, as a Brighton fan as well, for five seasons, I've seen Lewis Donk linked with a move away. And every summer, he has signed a brand new deal. The one summer he's not linked with a move away, Ben White is. So for me, you know, way things have been going uh, and all the talk that Ben White had said before the summer and probably before Arsenal would even make contact was, you wanted to the settle, he's working under a great manager, Let's move on. Um, you know, spent three three of his last three seasons at Brighton away from the club on yep. loan. Um, so, yeah, it will be uh, a fifth club in five seasons for him. So yep. it was going to go one of two ways. Um, yeah, either settled or he's actually looking to settle somewhere else. Uh, and when it first came through, I was a bit like, well, we've got a glut of centre-backs. Um yeah, Gabriel is the probably obvious choice that he'd start next to, uh, with Marie and Holding being kind of reserved for the more physical teams that we play against. Yeah, because uh, I think that's where they they excel massively. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there is that option of if we don't get our choice in midfield, does he slot in there? Um, does he come into that position perhaps and? He's got all the attributes to play there. And arguably, if you're looking for that kind of player in there, Ben White fits the bill. It's just the fact that he's played the majority of his games at centre-back this season. That's uh, my worry, though. Like Because mm. 
you, like you what, what, I'm sure other clubs do this I'm sure it's not mm. just Arsenal but obviously Arsenal the club we follow so we notice it more why do you remember that sketch from the mm. fat you're not too old for the fat show are you no, uh, no, no, I am just about you, okay. You roughly remember it. So for those who, who may not have seen it, or if I'm sure you'll remember this when I say it, there was a sketch mm. with um, one of the characters and it was like a husband and wife. And the sketch would be the wife would be beavering away in the kitchen and the husband would come in and she would turn to the, she would turn to the husband and go, mm. did you get the carrots, love? And the, hus- <laughs> and the husband would have a bag and he'd go, better than that, <laughs> olive oil. A photograph of the Titanic, a copy of Romeo and Juliet on DVD, <laughs> and some sesame seeds. And that's like Arsenal in the transfer mm. market. It's like, what do we need? An attacking midfielder? So we'll go buy centre-back. But we'll not mm. only go and buy a centre-back, we'll then get this high-quality centre-back and we'll put him in midfield. And I don't, I don't understand mm. why we can't just buy players that are naturally gifted in the positions that they join in and the positions that they've excelled at other clubs in, why can't we play them in that position? I mean, you could go through the team. Aubameyang is not a left winger. Let's play him at left wing. Lacazette is, is a central striker. Let's play him at number 10. You know, um, Kieran Tierney is a fantastic left back. Let's move him inside and convert him into a centre back. I mean, we're only one one injury away from Bert Leno lining up at left back. I mean, it's just, do you know what I mean? I yeah. I, I, I get the appeal of having players who, who are multi-positioned. I get it. Yeah. I do. But you've played Sunday League, you know. Everyone, everyone has that player in the Sunday League team that is a is a little bit shit, but he can play like six positions. So you have him in the squad just to fill in. You know, Ben White's not that. He's he's a, a high quality elite mm. English centre half. Play the guy at centre half. So yeah. I personally wouldn't. Um, I w- I would still go and get the midfielder. I mean, everyone knows who I want alongside Thomas mm-hmm. Partey. The links with Bruno Gimarash are interesting because. Mm. He's a def- he's an out and out defensive midfielder. Partey is not. He wants mm. to be a creative, you know, Vieira type. He wants to travel with the ball. He wants to get in the final third. He wants to shoot, even though he's not very good at it. <laughs> so, you know, yes, Ben White can step out of defence mm. and, and into midfield, but that's where I want. That's what I want him to do. I want him to step mm. out and then release the ball and then drop yeah. back. I don't want him to play in midfield and have to drop back into defence. Yeah, he's a he's a player that's not in theory. He shouldn't worry any of us when he's got no. the ball at his feet. If you're worried when Ben White picks up the ball and he's just on the edge of his 18 yard box, unfortunately, your nerves have been ruined by watching Arsenal play out for the back for yeah, yeah. about five to ten years. Yeah, uh, that's what that is doing. That's not an incitement on this particular no. player. Uh, he knows how to play out from the back. Uh, yeah. If anybody has seen. Uh, the goalkeeper distribution stats. Now, also, well, that's an interesting one for a Friday night to have a look through. <laughs> that's for, a night out, isn't it? <laughs> that's a night out. Uh, for Brighton, you'll know that the goalkeepers there barely kick it further than 30 yards. Um, mm. They're always playing out to the centre-backs um, and it, it's building from there. So he knows how to deal with that. He's done it under pressure. Uh, it's just a case of getting runners around him so he's got an option to get rid of it. Um, yeah. And get rid of it, I mean play it well with quality yeah. um distribute it rather than hoof distribute it. it rather than hoof it into yeah. a Z. but he's not adverse to doing that as well i think that's the key bit of any good player that although they may have directions from the manager they know when to get rid as well yeah. um because sometimes you need to get rid you know it's a common you need myth. to get rid 
Yeah, ask definitely like Harry Maguire. I mean, you know, sometimes mm. you just need to get rid. <laughs> Even uh, the best centre backs, like Chiellini and Bonucci, they did it all tournament for Italy. You know, Bonucci celebrates a clearance like it's a goal, doesn't he? So yeah. You know. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the key things we'll get from Ben White. He won't necessarily be super shiny centre-back. He's not going to be the guy that you'll go, oh my God, when we get a corner, he's going to give us like five goals a season yeah. from there. He's not going to be doing that. He might be playing some long-reaching balls, a bit like David Luiz, but mm. he's not got that same kind of, um, I'd say, on-field and off-field charisma that yeah. David Luiz has that makes him larger than life. Yeah, but I think he fits that role very well in terms of a player that I think Arteta might trust if Gabriel mm. and Pablo Mari are out injured to play on the left side of defence. Do you reckon um, he'll fit the dressing room as well? It, it, I think I mean, so. Based on, based on his character at Leeds, I think he'll fit mm. in. Like I say, he was very popular in the Leeds dressing room. Mm. Bielsa relied on him. I think he did. Um, I think he was one of the guys who chase people up for the fines and all that jazz mm. at Leeds. I think it's him and Luke Ayling. So he strikes yeah. me as a guy who will fit because we've got less. I, I don't want to say the English mm. core uh, all over no, again. We've that been ended quite that. Badly. <laughs> but um, it does appear that, you know, he's going to have the likes of holding and, and, um, you know, Tierney and Smith Rowe. So there is a bit of a core mm. of local lads there, isn't there? So I think he'll fit in well with that, that group. Definitely. And say he's originally from Southampton. Uh, well, he's from Poole actually. Yeah. So Dorset for any locals out there. Uh, so in terms of, no, um, <laughs> his daddy probably owns a yacht club, but we won't go that far. <laughs> uh, anybody's been to pool is very highfalutin. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think in terms of, he'll get that kind of group that's there. He'll be slightly older than some of them. Uh, fits like a good age profile for us, but yeah, uh, he got on very well with the people that were, um, at Leeds, I'd say to the point where one of the reasons why it took us so long to announce it, guess who we was on holiday with? Calvin mm. Phillips. Yeah. They, they was on holiday in Mykonos and with Calvin Phillips for ages and then went back to Italy with him as well. And they've been all over the shop together. Um, and I think that's one thing that we will see. Obviously, Agent Saka uh, has, <laughs> has been told, I think, in the latest Athletic article that he was key relaying information back to Arteta. And I think when you listen to everything for, that came out from the England camp, there were two players that surprised everybody yeah. that turned up to England duty. One of them was Bakaya Saka and yep. the other one was Ben White. Yeah, no one realised literally how good he was, and I think that's something that fifty million pounds. I think this is a guy that you know is twenty three now, um, turns twenty four in October. Arguably, he's a centre back that can play till thirty two, thirty three, should maybe even really. longer. Should yeah. it's five million pound a year if we keep him for a decade, and yeah. I think when you look at it in that context, I think it's a it could look to be a bargain. Uh, mm. especially compared to other English players. Um, yeah, Man City obviously didn't help with when they were buying up a lot of English talent. Um, but, you know, United kind of started it. Who would have said that eight years ago, £35 million for a teenage fullback from Southampton yeah, would true. now look to be £35 million for a teenage uh, fullback? You'd be like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, um, that's a good point. People will pay it. And, and the Harry Maguire thing kind of moved everything on. Carl Walker was £50 million. Um, 
trying to think who else uh, was a lot of money, but yeah, they're fullbacks that they paid a lot of money for. There's John Stones was the other one I was thinking of. Wan Bissaka was that Wan-Bissaka, the one you were Yeah, yeah. Wan another fifty million pound player. Yeah. It's the going rate now for an English mm. player that's in their early twenties uh, going to a team of a certain stature. And, mm. and fullbacks think, in general across yeah, Europe, fullbacks in general is a, pri- a pricey. Centre backs are going to get pricey as well. Um, mm. Wait till you hear how much Man United played for, albeit a World Cup winner, but one yeah. who only had one year left on his contract. Mm, exactly, that's been that's um, been swept under the rug. Um, mm. Yeah, and anyone who doubts Rafael Varane is an idiot. No, he is fantastic, no. and oh, he's an excellent player. But I will also say, <laughs> you can. Uh, is it is it hard to say you've overpaid for a player that's also still very good? No, not at all. Yeah, no. I think I think that that is one that they have overpaid. They won't regret it, but they have no. overpaid for him. Yeah, uh, particularly when the alternatives are Eric Bailly and Lindelof, <laughs> and you know, I mean, they've upgraded. But it yeah. does make me laugh when you talk about Maguire with Varane. That's the most unusual duo I've ever heard. Oh, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I think in terms of talking through ben white anyway um we've listener for behind the scenes of abw we've got another podcast to record straight after this because (laughs) we're absolute pros uh, and we're going to do an end up with a little like intermission for ourselves and then uh back to it and we'll switch places um but chris thank you for joining me to talk through ben white and i would say to anybody uh, any of our listeners of course they do want any more information on him i would say listen to people who have watched him and when i see him watched him watching from a brighton fan perspective not a casual mm. um and they will tell you everything you need to know about ben white and yeah. there are many good ones out there obviously your colleague at french football weekly uh jez yep. has, has watched him a lot um I'm sad that I won't see him at the Amex next season, but obviously I will send for at least one game when uh, he comes to join. But uh, I would say, yeah, I think I'll finish that by saying Ben White's last game for uh, Brighton was against Arsenal at the Emirates. And how apt, have known how apt <laughs> that he is switching blue and white for red and white. And uh, yeah, we've been APW. Thank you. And good night. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.